You are listening to the Forcecom Frontline, bringing you to our soldiers on the front lines of readiness. Hey everyone, I'm Ashley. And I'm Eve. And this is a special Forcecom Frontline. Very special episode this month. <laughs> Ask Eve how she feels about special episodes. Oh, goodness. We don't have enough time. We won't have time <laughs> for our guest. Well, the reason why we're doing this special episode is because it is the launch of the ACFT 3.0. And so we've brought on Major General Lonnie Hibbard. He's the commander of the U.S. Army Center for Initial Military Training to talk to us a little bit about what those changes are. Yeah, we're going to get to ask him some questions, too, about why the events are what they are on the ACFT um, and what we can expect to see moving forward. And I'm going to hold a plank for this entire episode. So you only have to do two minutes, (laughs) not 45. (laughs) I wonder if I could. You've done it. Wait, 45? No, I think the most is 12. But anyways, I digress. You've done a 12 minute plank? It was part of a challenge. Yes. Oh, wow. I do a lot of yoga. Okay, well... (laughs) Interesting. We probably should get to our guest. Let's get to him. So without further ado, here is Major General Lonnie Hibbard. Hi, General Hibbard. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Well, actually, and uh, Eve, thank you very much for, for having me and having the opportunity to talk about the ACFT. Uh, one one reason that I'm, I'm talking about the ACFT, you know, why is this commanding general for the Center for Industrial Military Training that does basic training for the Army? Uh, talking about the ACFT. But in my other hat for the Army, in addition to uh, running all of initial entry training for the Army and having that proponency, is is IMT is also the proponent for Army physical fitness. And it starts with initial entry training and then throughout the career of that soldier. And we are the proponent for Army physical fitness. And that's why our headquarters and working with the SMA and the Army staff uh, developed and did the research behind not only the original PT test, the APFT we rolled out 40 years ago, but more importantly, the new Army Combat Fitness Test. And so if you think about the Army Combat Fitness Test, it's a replacement to that 40-year-old uh, Army Physical Fitness Test that APFT I just mentioned. You know, the APFT was implemented post-Vietnam when we replaced the old five-event PT test back then. Um, And the goal of that APFT uh, was ease of administration. And so it really wasn't based on on science or their physical requirements to be a soldier. It was was kind of based on a general health assessment that was easy to administer and didn't require any equipment. It required a stopwatch, a two-mile course, and a clipboard. And that's all it required really to do it. And so, um, and then when they looked at the scoring, the scoring was based on a bell curve. So they set the scores, the minimum maximum scores by age on a bell curve. So 10% of the people would max it and 10% of the people would fail it. And then they graduated in between. So it wasn't based on any type of science or what was really required. It was, it was really just based on how could we move the army forward at that time post-Vietnam. Well, in 2009, following eight years of war, the Army senior leaders realized that we couldn't sustain our combat lethality with the current Army physical training program uh, and the Army physical fitness test. And so, um, you know, if you look at where we're at today, currently today, the Army has almost 8% of the active component or 37,000 soldiers who are non-deployable for medical reasons. And most of those are musculoskeletal injuries. And not only that, but we have 55% of our soldiers annually have a musculoskeletal injury. 
it equates to 10 million limited duty days and approximately $577 million spent annually on patient care. Mm -hmm. And so the Army senior leader is like, we have to change what we're doing. Um, and, and more importantly, as you look at how we do physical fitness, the test, you know, soldiers train for a test. If yeah. they're taking a language test, you train for what that language test is going to be. If you're taking a science test, you train for what that chapter is going to be. We do the same thing with the physical fitness test. And so, you know, our musculoskeletal injuries are predominantly overuse injuries because we train for push-ups, sit-ups, and a two-mile run. Yeah. Um, so after a few uh, excursions that were unsuccessful starting in 2009 to provide the necessary predictors of combat readiness, in 2012, the Army commissioned the Baseline Soldier Physical Readiness Requirements Study. That's a big word. We call it BISBERS for short. <laughs> it was conducted over three years, and it was really looking at the criterion reference fitness test events that would be the best indicators of warrior tasks and battle drills and common soldier tasks. So it's, what we're trying to do is, well, how do we build a test to accomplish the task that we ask every soldier to do? Because if we can build the test for it, then the soldiers will train for that test. And then when we ask them to do common soldier tasks in the warrior tasks and battle drills, we don't injure soldiers. We can improve the readiness of the force. And then we also looked at it is those tasks, when you look at common soldier tasks, it doesn't matter what your rank is or what component you're in. Um, it's a task that every soldier is expected to perform regardless of job, regardless of age, or regardless of gender and then regardless of compo. So from 2015 to 2017, we spent two years collecting uh, uh, or doing pilot data or pilot testing to validate the test events to ensure the accurate prediction um, and correlation to those warrior uh, tasks and battle drills and common soldier tasks. Once we completed that in 2018, we started large scale unit testing with 30 battalions. Uh, of all unit types and across all three uh, components, the active, the Army Guard, and the Army Reserve. And then here's where we kind of run into problems because since 2018, all we have focused on is data collection. The mm -hmm. what, the ACFT, those six events that we now refer to as ACFT 1.0 when we rolled it out. And so when we rolled this out, we started data collection in, uh, in 2000, really real large scale in 2019. Uh, we, you know, we, we started running into some challenges with uh, a pandemic mm -hmm. uh, and then we had some equipment challenges in there as we had to protest on getting the equipment out to the force. And so one thing led to another. And, and so uh, we started running into a little bit of hiccups because we were actually hoping to have implemented this in, in two, uh, 2020. So in yeah. 2020 is when we really wanted to implement it, but we couldn't get the data collected uh, to justify the transition and really inform the policies provide the data to the Army senior leaders to inform the policies to move the Army forward. Uh, so in uh, in 20, we added ACFT 2.0. And the reason we changed, you know, we started adding the 2.0 and now 3.0, everybody says, you know, what's the big deal? It's, it's really to just inform the force that there's a change, kind of like we do with an iPhone or your Samsung. You know, we always do the, you know, 3.0, 4.0 because you really just want to let them know that there's something different and you need to look at what has changed. Yeah, and that's sure. why we did it is, is messaging to let the Army know uh, that something has changed because one of the biggest challenges we have is we continually fight misinformation. Absolutely. Everybody's talking on the original data and the original talking points when the ACFT rolled out in 2018 and quite a bit has changed to 21. And so we want to make sure that uh, our soldiers are looking at the latest data as we go. 
So in, in 2.0, what we added was the plank as a bridging strategy because of the challenges we saw across the Army with the upper body and core strength uh, to do the plank to be successful. Uh, and so that was creating a lot of uh, anxiety across the force because people were struggling with that. And we saw some people just, you know, stop training and thought, well, the Army is never going to implement it. I'm not going to train because they were, I won't say they were defeated, but they, they were, there were some challenges out there. And we wanted to provide that bridging strategy to allow the Army to continue to progress and be successful. Um, but the one thing we never answered is we never answered to the force is how are we going to use the ACFT as it, as it relates to every soldier? Regardless of compo, regardless of rank, it, or, you know, they could be a cadet or they could be on active duty. It doesn't matter. We've never told them, how are we going to use the ACFT? When we say a gender and age neutral test, mm -hmm. you know, that's what we, we could never answer up to this point. And so 3.0 um, answers that question. It doesn't, it not only answers the what, i.e. the six events, but it also answers the how we plan to use the ACFT. And it also addresses the concerns we have heard from the force over the last two years, uh, as well as Congress, as we implement the ACFT. And then also ACFT 3.0 also enables the, the RAND independent review to examine the impacts of the ACFT on recruiting, retention, our military occupational specialties. And more importantly, it also gives RAND and that independent review a baseline now to make recommendations for any policy changes by just creating their own policy recommendations, because now they know how the Army wants to use it. And so during this upcoming year, the Army was planning to collect uh, scores uh, against 2.0 with the plank as being pass-fail. Now collecting uh, the data from 1 April through the rest of the fiscal year against the new graded plank that I'll talk about in a second, um, between 0 and 100, now really provides a more refined assessment to retention, promotion, and, uh, and recruitment, and the impact to all three compos. So that's what's key about 3.0 as we go forward. So ACFT 3.0, what, what is the same? So scoring of the ACFT remains age and gender neutral to be a soldier. And that ties to combat is age and gender neutral. We now have a baseline standard to be a soldier, which we never had before. And previously yeah. we had 20 different minimum standards to be a soldier. And so, I mean, it, and that was one of the problems that was causing a lot of our injuries is we have 20 different minimum standards. Everybody has to do the same thing. Uh, those on the right end of that standard, you know, the lower end of that standard are getting injured at an extraordinary rate. Okay, so the ACFT consists of the six events. Really seven, pick six, I'll say it that way, but it, <laughs> you still have the, you know, three repetition max deadlift, still have the standing power throw, still have the hand release push-up, the sprint drag carry, and now you have a leg tuck or a plank. So it's a soldier's choice on which core assessment they want to execute. And then you have the two mile run and the maximum score remains 600. So building on the lessons from ACFT 2.0, the Army uh, uh, will incorporate that, uh, that plank. And really what it does is the inclusion of the plank is 100 point, you know, zero to 100 alternative to the leg tuck really allows uh, those soldiers, especially those soldiers who've been in the army for a while, you mm -hmm. know, you look at myself who's been in for, you know, for 32 years, depending on your MOS, depending on your component, you know, army active guard or reserve, or, you know, what job you do in the army, especially as you get later in life is you've never been asked to build upper body strength to be successful at that event. And at the age of 55 years old, it's a little bit harder to build the upper body strength um, to be successful in the leg tuck 
where what I really truly need also is a core strength assessment. So we're providing that opportunity to give soldiers that option based on where they are in their career. And more importantly is what, you know, what component they're in and sometimes what access to equipment, leg tuck bars, pull up bars or other things that may be available uh, to our soldiers, not only in, in the United States between all three compos, but also around the world are deployed as well. Um, the other inclusion is we establish uh, an evaluation system that is uh, gender informed performance categories. Um, and I'll kind of talk about that here in a second. So, as I mentioned before, our, our current APFT uh, is set, um, the scores of the current APFT are set based on how we'll use it in the personnel system, hence the 40 different minimum and maximum standards. Um, and so the new scoring of the ACFT will apply uh, a gender and age neutral score to the personnel system and vice having the personnel system determine your APFT score. Okay. But if you if you think about that differently, that's what's different about how we're using the ACFT. ACFT is age and gender neutral. A 520 is a 520, regardless of your age, regardless of your gender, and then we'll apply that 520 to the personnel system. For before having those 40 different scales, really mm -hmm. is you know 40 different minimum maximum uh, requirements is because our personnel system drove your APFT score, and that's just backwards. So we're trying to change that with the ACFT um, with 3.0. So the old gold we used to have when you used to have the bands, gold, gray, black, gold was defined as moderate physical demands. And that's the minimum requirement as associated based on the, the Bisber study I mentioned before and is now the minimum standard to be a soldier. And so what has really changed? We've removed reference to gold, gray, black. Those, uh, there's no branch or MOS requirement. There's only the, the moderate physical demands tied to warrior tasks and battle drills and common soldier tasks to be a, uh, be a soldier. And we got rid of those MOS requirements. One, that was causing confusion in the, uh, in the force because we never could answer, you know, we didn't answer, is it gonna be by, by job or MOS? Is it gonna mm -hmm. be by unit type? Does everybody in an infantry company have to perform at that category or not? Even if I'm, you know, I'm a medic assigned or I'm a paralegal or, a, or something assigned to that infantry company. And so we, we, were, we didn't answer that question it was causing anxiety uh, in the force. And so we got rid of it because really what it amounts to is there needs to be one standard to be a soldier. Yeah. Um, and it's not tied. There's a lot of questions. Well, it's tied because of failure rates. Um, it was tied to gender integration. It's not tied to any of that. The reason we got rid of them is the chief of staff of the Army and the secretary looked at us and said, look, I do not. We have to have a one Army policy. And it has to be data informed. And so as we look at our, our combat arms uh, in our high and significant physical demands categories in our Army Guard and our Army Reserve, I didn't have the data and I won't have the data and implement the ACFT and understand the impacts across the total Army. Mm -hmm. So we have to be data informed. And so once we have three, four years of data, can we make a change later? Yes. Once we can look at the, you know, the, the chief and the secretary and say, sir, there, there's going to be no impact that we can maintain uh, those standards as we move forward. But right now, we're not going to have that data informed decision. So we remove that as we move forward. And then I mentioned the other changes. We added the plank uh, from zero to 100 and the soldier can declare which one he wants to do for his core strength. Um, one question I get asked frequently is, why are you keeping the leg tuck and adding a plank? <laughs> well, the leg tuck is a much better correlation uh, to the fitness requirements of a soldier as related to warrior tasks and battle drills. Yeah. Every soldier should be able to strive to, to lift themselves up once. Uh, that's up over a wall, up a rope, 
up through a window or out of the turret of a vehicle. Every soldier should strive to, to do that. Um, but again, I mentioned that the plank allows for, for those soldiers who have been in the Army for, for especially extended period of time who have not been asked thus far in their career to build that upper body strength uh, to be successful because I really also need a core strength assessment because the evolution of you know sports science, I can tie knee, ankle, hip, back, and even shoulder injuries to a weak core. Yeah. Sit-ups that we do now do not build core strength. And so I've got to get a core strength assessment. Again, leg tuck is a much better uh, correlation to what we need soldiers to do. Uh, but the plank will get me that assessment to drive them to build core strength um, to be successful and reduce injuries across the army. So, so sir, sorry, can I tell you something? Yeah. <laughs> Forcecom um, last September did a leg tuck challenge. And General Garrett challenged all of the leaders within Forcecom, and it was for Suicide Prevention Month, to um, go out and do as many leg tuck challenges, leg tucks as they could. They did awesome. So I'm just Forcecom. Forcecom's doing it. No, they are. <laughs> and, and, and again, I think it is what what we see across the Army is more and more people take train for and take the ACFT. Scores are going up, and I'll talk about our tiering and how that matters in the tiering. Um, and the differentiation in score between men and women is decreasing, um, mm -hmm. because every, it just takes longer if you don't have that, you know, that lean muscle mass up front, it just takes longer to build it. Yeah. And so we can't expect it to be done in a year. Sure. And so when we implement this, you know, like when we implement this and why we're kind of going to the, the gender, uh, norming of the application of the score, um, is cause it just takes more time. And I see that across basic training all the time. Yeah, I, you know, our female soldiers are, are successful by the end of, of basic training or by the end of AIT. It just takes them longer from where the start point is in physical fitness to get there. And, th and that's what we have to account for, because there are some physiological differences. Um, and so that's why we got to take that into account. And uh, again, the, the, in 10 years from now, 15 years from now, when every soldier has come through basic training uh, and ROTC or West Point and officer basic course, the ACFT, the leg tuck, it'll in what we do now will be as normal as to those soldiers who have been in for 30 years doing the APFT. Mm -hmm. The muscle memory will be there and functional fitness will be the only thing they know. Yeah. And yeah. It'll be routine in the army. We we just have to get it over the goal line to get it to become routine. <laughs> okay, so what we're looking at for the evaluation system or tiering of the score, the score. In a performance category has as the the goal of achieving two objectives first it fosters and recognizes uh, above average physical performance something that's inherent to the army culture and second it does account for the recognized you know physiological differences between men and women so kind of how this we, we plan to see this work and we looked at our allies and some of our allies use a very similar model is what gave us the idea as we were talking to uh, some of our allies is the the new performance category will be scaled um, based on, for lack of a better word, a one to end OML. Okay. So what we'll do is we'll take, you know, you know, it's easy to do now with DTMS and data and horses and they can, they can crunch any number you want. They can take 800,000 uh, scores, all the men in uh, all three components of the army and create a one to end OML. And so I know if I got a 500 on my PT test, I may be, you know, 629,000 in that OML based on that score. Um, and then we do the exact same thing for the female cohort and their 200,000 scores. And then what we're looking at doing is we tier them into one of, right now the recommendation is, 
uh, tiering into one of five performance categories. So platinum will be the top 1% of their gender. Gold will be the top 10% of the gender. Uh, silver is the top 25% of the gender. Bronze is the top 50%. And green means you've met 360, the minimum to be a soldier, to the 50th mm -hmm. percentile. And then the Army, you know, that's why I need that plank in there because I need that plank assessed at zero to 100 points so I can get their total score with the plank so I can figure out where does everybody fall in the Army against that tiering and then how does it impact the, the whole Army. Um, and so once the, the Army senior leaders have sufficient data to make the, you know, their informed decisions, uh, we'll implement the ACFT. And where we see this going is the performance categories will then drive promotion points or OML points. Or, or, or things like that. So what we're looking at doing is the only thing that'll go on your evaluation in NCOER, OER, or anything is your performance category. And okay. so whether you know whether it's, it's myself or or Eve, you know we take the ACFT and we're both in the top ten percent. We both get gold on our, our evaluation. Oh. And so that that goes on there. Um, and I'll talk about later why that may be important if the Army continues to look at its talent management. But then based on the performance category you fall in, that will, will correspond to the promotion points you get. So if you're in platinum, men or, male or female, you fall in the platinum category, you're in the top 1% of your gender, you get, let's say, 100% of the promotion points. Mm -hmm. And if you're in the gold category, in the top 10% of, of your gender, then you get you know 90% or 95%, whatever the Army determines percent of the promotion points. And so that's how we, we norm it then in the, and binning it in those performance categories. And that's how you get your, promo, your promotion points. That makes sense. And so that's kind of how we see it going uh, as we move forward. And then the Army, we, what we want to do is recompute those performance categories on the first of every fiscal year. So we take last fiscal year. So let's say 22, we implement at the end of 22. We're going into FY 23, one October of FY of, of calendar year 22. They look at everybody's 1 million scores from the last fiscal year and they rebend those numbers. They'll publish a MILPER message and say to fall in the platinum category, you have to score 590 or above. And that gets set, sent out on MILPER message and it's set for the entire fiscal year. And so let's say gold is uh, 540 points. So if you score 540 or above on the ACFT, that's the gold category. That's what the numbers say. That's fixed for the whole year. If 12% of the Army fall in the gold category, so be it. That just means that we have improved our physical fitness this fiscal year over last fiscal year. And that's mm -hmm. okay. It's not a sliding scale. It's, it's not anything like that. It's fixed for the year so the soldiers know what their target is. Okay. And why we're doing this is we, as we look at our allies, when talking with some of our allies, they say, as you bring on a new PT test, it takes a while for the entire army to begin training for successfully and building the muscle memory to take the test. And mm -hmm. over time, as you train for and take the test, the more often you take the test and build that muscle memory, your scores naturally go up. Yeah. And so what it'll do is it allows, it, it keeps driving our army to improve. Keeps everybody driving to, you know, if you want to stay in the, in the bronze category, the top 50%, then, you know, every year I got to work out a little bit harder, even though it may get harder as I get older, but we've, we've got to continue to work and strive to improve. Not like we do now where we actually lower the categories by age, mm -hmm. lower, lower what you have to do. Yeah. So that, that's kind of the intent of it. And then it also accounts for environmental conditions. And what do I mean by that is we just learned that in COVID. So heaven forbid we have another pandemic yeah. or some other event across the, the country or across the world. 
and gyms are closed. We stopped doing organized PT. All those things that happened to us this past year with COVID, if that happens again, that next fiscal year, we re-baseline the scores based on what happened the previous year to make it, I'll say fair, but to give soldiers the opportunity to be successful the next year in the same performance category because there could have been personal impacts. Yeah, absolutely. An example is, you know, let's say we have another surge, you know, like we did mm -hmm. in Iraq, Afghanistan. We have a large scale combat operation where we deploy, you know, 70% of the force, you know, in all three comp uh, composts to large scale ground combat. That next year or two years from there, if we're not doing PT because we're in a large fight, the scores mm -hmm. will come down. So as we come out of that fight, our soldiers can get back into shape. But the scores also come down to correspond to the shape that we're getting into as the Army readjusts. So it, it accounts for that as well. And then after five years, you know, we'll probably see them if we have no pandemic and don't have large scale combat, they'll probably stabilize relatively because after that, you're not going to see a big fluctuation, maybe one or two points mm -hmm. that we, you know, the Army could decide to put it into 350 1 if they want to and just fix them once we see where the Army's at. But given that flexibility allows for what's going on in the world. So we'll look at that as we go, um, as we continue to go. So that's kind of where we're at with that. Um, and so I talked about that, you know, as, as we as we look at the implementation, if everything falls in, into place, uh, we expect full implementation as early as March of 22. Oh, wow. And so the RAND study, the independent review is due back uh, in first quarter of FY22, so by Christmas time. Um, and that'll allow the chief and the secretary to look at the RAND recommendations, look at the data, because hopefully by then we'll have a million scores, um, million plus scores in DTMS. So we can now really start evaluating uh, a one army policy as we move forward. So now that we have the scores, we have the RAND uh, um, recommendations, we can develop the final policies. And our goal is, uh, you know, March of 22 uh, for implementation. Um, as long as everything falls into place. Now, as I mentioned, you know, the NDAA, FY21 NDAA, has a uh, RAN conducting a uh, independent study. And really what they're looking at is they're looking across all Army demographics, all compost, you know, because the, the impact to the of the ACFT is different for active component, the Guard, and the Reserve. And so they've got to look at all three because we have to make a one Army policy. You know, last, well, why don't we have, why don't we bend it by categories for the Army Reserve or bend it by categories for Army Guard and then the active component? The challenge ends up being is if you look at our one Army school system is every soldier goes, um, you know, they all come through IET to start. Yeah. Uh, you come back to, you come back to the one Army school system for PME. If you come back to the Captain's Career Course or Non-Commissioned Officer School, Airborne School, Ranger School, it's a one school system. Yeah. And so you've you got to have a one army physical fitness policy. We have worked too hard over the last 20 years to build a one army policy for everything. And so we have we have one policy and one standard for the APFT and we need it for the ACFT because I can just see it now. You know, we, you know, you have the guard has their own Benny. Right. And so they come to Ranger School and well, yeah, you, you were you were gold in the guard. But that doesn't need that. Only, that that's a guard goal. You're, <laughs> you're only silver in the active form. You know, and now you start building a divide yep. that we have worked too hard over the last 20 years to fix. And so it's really got to be a, a, a one army policy, same way we have it with the current APFT. Um, and so that's what Randall look at. They'll look at, uh, you know, that implementation and really look to make sure are there any policies we're missing or how do we apply them as we continue to go forward. Um, so the alternate events, they remain the same. 
so if you have a permanent profile and can't do the two mile run, you can elect to do the the 5,000 meter row, the 12 uh, kilometer bike ride or, or the or the swim. So we added the row this year. Um, we, we got rid of the, the two and a half mile walk. So we added a row. Um, we adjusted the bike ride from, I think it was 6.1 miles, 10K to a 12K bike ride in 25 minutes. And then we've increased the distance a little bit in the swim as well. Because uh, we're trying to target a specific VO2 max that corresponds to what we expect soldiers to do. And that's why we had to get rid of the walk because the walk never drove the heart rate up enough to create a VO2 level that would be successful in combat for, for you to do an approach march and actually on the objective. So we tried to tie it to science of what we expect soldiers to do, which ties to a VO2 max requirement, and the walk never increased the heart rate enough to do that. So in order to properly evaluate our progress, um, I, I got to get the Army taking the test and putting the scores in DTMS. Right now, we've been collecting scores for two years. I still only have 25% of the Army scores in DTMS. Oh, wow. And so, you know, when you look at that, it's really tough for the Army to make policy and talk to Congress and tell, tell everybody what we're going to do uh, when we have to be data informed. I'm not saying data is going to drive policy, but it's got to be data informed. But I still only have 25% of the Army that's taken the ACFT and put mm -hmm. it in DTMS. And only 7% of the Army has put their second score in DTMS. Huh. And so we've really got to kind of improve that in order for us to, to be able to uh, to drive success as we go. Um, one question I get frequently is the, you know, what are we going to do to the, you know, the Army body composition program? You know, and everybody asks now that we're, we're doing more. Uh, functional fitness, we're doing weightlifting, we're doing strength training, we're putting on more lean uh, muscle mass, we're changing our body dynamics and chemistry, you know, shape a little bit, you know, and we've got two standards for the, uh, you know, as you look at uh, our screening height weight tables, we have a male standard and a female standard, mm -hmm. and everybody says, well, if we're expected to do the same thing, uh, why do we have different, you know, standards? You know, yeah. if I'm five foot, you know, 11, and there was a 10 pound or 12, whatever, don't quote me on the number, but there's a difference of 10 pounds or something between men and women for the screening tables. Oh, yeah. Expected to do the same thing. Why do we have that? Um, and so we are we are doing some studies in conjunction with uh, the United States Army uh, Research Institute of Environmental Medicine, USARIAM. You know, they kind of do all the studies what we call skin in, uh, begun work on, on how to reevaluate that Army body composition program. We're not going to change the DOD mandated, you know, max body fat composition requirements. Mm -hmm. I think it's 26% for men and 36% and is the max for females. Those numbers won't change. But where we are relooking the height weight tables, um, as well as, you know, as we do more functional fitness and put on more um, lean muscle mass, do, is the way we tape still valid in the future? So we are looking at that because I know that's a concern for a lot of our soldiers across the Army. Um, but we also got to recognize for the same reason we are we are tiering the scores in, in gender, you know, uh, we're we're looking at how gender applies to a score as we put it into the personnel system. Mm -hmm. We've also got to understand that there's still a there's still a physiological physiological difference between men and women. You know, the, the one reason that we've got the difference right now in the height weight tapes is is because, you know, up, you know, 3% in, in bone density, 3 to 5% in lean muscle mass, just on average between men and women, uh, which accounts for your 10% or your, yeah. your 10 pounds. And Structure so I got to have the science look at it to make the recommendations to the, the uh, SMA and the chief as we continue to go. Uh, but as we do this, 
as well as the alternate uh, body fat measurement methods. Um, it'll be informed by the science, um, but right now we, we don't anticipate making any hard changes until we actually implement the ACFT. Okay. And so th those changes will be probably published uh, after the ACFT is implemented because I've got to get a million scores. I've got to get more than 19% of the females in the Army to have taken the ACFT um, so that we can start correlating what we saw in science and research to the scores and BMI as we look at our cohort to figure out how do we adjust it all. It's all got to be nested, so we're not chasing policy across the army, but we are looking at it all. We are trying to, uh, we're trying to make that assessment because I know it's a concern. And then, kind of lastly, you know, we we published the new FM seven twenty two, which used to be the Army PT manual, is now holistic health and fitness. We added an Army training pub seven twenty two one, which is how to uh, how to test. So it adds, you know, how do you do all the testing, you know, in the army whether it's the Army uh, Combat Fitness Test, uh, whether it's going to be, you know, the Army, I think it's Water Survival Test, or any of those tests in there that relate to physical fitness are in ATP 7-22.1. And then ATP 7-22.02 is how to train. It's all how to train. And that's train with equipment, train without equipment, train with just body weight. Uh, it gives you workout programs, you know, 30-day workout programs. It, it, it lays out what we're supposed to be doing. You yeah. know, and what's interesting with this whole thing, and why do I say we had to change the test to drive a change in, in culture of fitness? Mm -hmm. Really, what, what's in the ATP on how to train was actually published, I want to say it was in 2012. Oh, wow, that and long ago. So we, we told everybody, go get kettlebells, go get hex bars, <laughs> go start doing functional fitness in 2012. And a lot of leg tucks were in the manual in 2012. Mm -hmm. Climbing drills to be successful for a leg tech were in there in 2012. But if we didn't test them on it, people didn't train for yeah. what was in the manual because they were only training for what they're tested on. Push up, sit ups, run. <laughs> and run because that's what I'm being held accountable. That's my yep. livelihood. That's what keeps me in the Army. So that's why we had to change the test to align to that as we continue to move forward. So, you know, the Army has used the APFD for the last 40, 40 years. Shifting away from what is, an, what is known and what is comfortable uh, is a challenge and, and we can't do it overnight. Uh, we've already seen, you know, successful changes in the, in the culture of fitness and increasing the readiness. You guys mentioned it with, you know, General Garrett's leg tuck challenge and, and Forcecom is embracing this and getting after it. Um, and I think we're, we're seeing, at least in initial entry training in my portfolio, uh, we are seeing a decrease in attrition out of initial entry training environment before they award their MOS uh, due to musculoskeletal injuries femoral hip fractures and all of those injuries that were traditionally, you know, these young men and women had come in the army for, and then we would be separating them before they became a soldier yeah. because we broke them. And we mm -hmm. are seeing a significant decrease as we really focus on strength training and all of those other aspects to be successful. And so we're, we will see it across the rest of the forces, the army transitions. You know, after, after two years of studying the science and, and looking at the data, I'm confident that the implementation of the ACFT and functional fitness will reduce, you know, musculoskeletal injuries and improve the health of the force. You know, if you can score a 360 on the ACFT, I truly believe they're in better overall health and shape than if they did a 270 on the old uh, APFT. And that's seen by the number of people that could do a 270 or above on the APFT that couldn't pass their first ACFT because we were so singular in our, in our focus training. Um, and so I, I think we're, we're much better off as we go. 
you know, especially as we look at what the future fight in multi-domain operations will be. You know, everybody says, well, you know, hey, ACFT served us well for, the, you know, for the last 20 years, but the last 20 years was not multi-domain sustained combat. You know, kind of like you look at what we did in, you know, Korea, what we did in World War One, mm -hmm. World War Two. You know, that's sustained combat, and we got to make sure we're we're in shape to do that. You know, if you look at the APFT, the APFT is like training for for cross country. It's, <laughs> it's really it's cardio and muscular endurance. It's, it we've is, been yeah. training for forty years. We've been training for for cross country, but yet when we deploy or we ask our soldiers to go to the field and do their combat related tasks, it's like playing rugby, and we wonder why we are injuring soldiers at an unsustainable rate. We have to train them to play rugby, and that's what the ACFT will do. So that's kind of my pitch. Um, I think I answered a lot of your questions, but I'm, I'm ready to answer anything else that I didn't explain clearly or I left you with uh, questions on. Well, I know that you're having trouble getting people to put their scores in DTMS, and I know for me and my personality type, part of it is if I feel like I'm not going to score high on the ACFT, I don't want to take it. And so can people fail it right now? Like what happens if I don't do as well? Does that impact my career? It does not. So in accordance with the NDAA is we cannot hold, you know, SOTA accountable, you know, for doing well or failing the ACFT in, the, in this transition year. Uh, it's left the Army without kind of a test right now because we got rid of the APFT, which I had, you know, I recommended to the chief we do because, again, if that's what the streamer on the guide on was, it said 270 on the APFT, that's what our units were going to train on. And so I needed to get people to start training for and taking it. And so in this transition period, if you take and fail it, um, it can it will not be held account, you know, held against you in a negative fashion. It won't go on your NCOER or your counseling saying you failed the ACFT. We just train for and continue to take it again until we make our soldiers successful. That's what leaders do. And then then uh, the same with the positive. If you score 600 on the ACFT, you're not allowed to say in an NCOER that he scored you know, 600 or max the ACFT because that's using it for both positive and negative during this transition period. Mm -hmm. And so the goal is what, what we find, and the reason I mentioned only 7% 7, 7 of the people have taken it twice, is what we see is a significant increase in score and, and success and pass rates on the second or third time you take it. Because the first time you're trying to figure out what are you doing? Mm -hmm. How do you take it? You know, what, 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 where do I need to train? And then the second time you take it, you've taken it once, you figured out, hey, I need to focus on my deadlift. I need to focus on the sprint drag carry. And then the next time you take it, you're usually much more successful. So we need the Army taking it. So I know that I have heard um, some people throughout our building even say, you know, why do I need to throw a ball behind my head? <laughs> you know, this sounds a little silly. So what, what do you say to that? Why, why are we having soldiers throw a ball behind their head? You know, that's funny is, is that that exercise or that test event right there actually has the highest correlation of all of them to what you're tasking about. <laughs> and, and part of it is, is if you think about what our old PT test did, it, it really focused on three domains of, of the 10 of fitness. And, and so when, when you look at the, the three domains, uh, how do you bring in a test event that focuses on coordination, balance, explosive power? Uh, and those type of actions. And that's what that event does. It's really, it's the summation of lower and upper body power and your ability to coordinate lower and upper body power as you do that explosive maneuver to throw that ball. Um, and actually it's one that, you know, the, all, most of the combines, you know, football, volleyball, basketball, several of them use a very, very similar exercise as that explosive power measurement in the combines because it got, had, has such a high correlation 
to what uh, they expect, in those case, athletes to do or we expect soldiers to do. What I find so interesting is that you you do keep talking about the science behind it. And so I think it's easy to to assume, oh, well, the Army just wants to change this again. But that's not the case. So you, the Army's really looking at what is best for our soldiers and what our soldiers need to be able to do and then making those changes, looking at the science and the research. Yeah, correct. And it, it, if you look at, you know, how the, you know, we look across the entire force when we get ready to go to, you know, Afghanistan, Iraq, or deploy anywhere we go, even into a career rotation, the number of soldiers we have to leave at home. And when you look at those that are because of injuries, we have to fix that. Because when, we, you know, as the chief always says, you know, we got to be able to play the home and the away game. Um, and to do that, we've got to be physically fit to do that. Um, and then just look at the way we're injuring soldiers. So by the age of 24, so I'll go to ages, I won't go to ranks. By the age of 24, 7% of our men and 22% of our women are already on a permanent profile. Oh, wow. So, so by, by age 24, we've already injured that many of our soldiers that are on a permanent profile and can't take a three-event PT test. And then for every 1,000 men, we're, we're separating we, we, we go to the MEB process, 23 out of every thousand males go to an MEB process. And I think it's 35 out of every thousand females go to an MEB process. Um, and so we're separating our soldiers for injuries at an enormous rate, let alone the, t- the permanent profiles that we already have into the system. And then the fact that 55% of our soldiers every year have a temporary profile from us. Mm-hmm. This is about a health of the force right? Yeah. Um, and being able to play that home and away game. Well, we know you're super busy with ACFT 3.0 just rolling out. So one last question and we'll let you go. What's your bottom line message to soldiers about the ACFT? Yeah, bottom line is, is just take the test and become comfortable with the test um, and then get the scores into DTMS. Because one, I need that to help the Army senior leaders inform their decision. And again, the impact will be different for for the active, the guard, and the reserve. So I need everybody's score. But two is, if you take it, we find, is, especially as I go to basic training or I go out here uh, to the units here on Fort Eustis and watch them take the test, it is much more aligned to the culture of the Army. It is a competition. You you know, before you had to turn around, you weren't allowed to cheer or allowed, you know, when you did the APFT, you know, you, you go out there, okay, turn around, everybody does their own individual events, and then everybody goes runs. Here is everybody's out there cheering. Everybody wants to see their peer, their their friend, their battle buddy, or you know somebody they work with be successful, especially when they're struggling. We want soldiers to do well. And then when you do the sprint drag carry, it's a competition. It aligns to the core of what the Army is. It's about team building. It's about esprit de corps. And, and the test, once you start taking it, is not that hard. There may be some challenges on a single event that you have to you have to work a little bit harder on. But once you build that muscle memory on that event. It's just like the PPT test. Once you once you can pass it, it doesn't take nearly the energy to sustain passing that test. It takes energy to continue to improve, but once you pass, it's like the PT test. Most soldiers can roll out of bed maybe two three weeks prior, you know, uh, and you know tune some stuff up, and they can pass the APFT. Yeah. The ACFT will be the same way in the future. Well, I can attest to what you just said. Whenever I walk into the building in the morning, I can hear the soldiers across doing PT in the field and they're cheering on each other. So, yep, definitely hearing that. (laughs) But all right, sir, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today about ACFT 3.0. We really appreciate your time. Well, ladies, I appreciate it. If there's anything else I can I can join you guys for that uh, is in my portfolio of IMT, you know, I would be happy to do it. I enjoyed this. 
We'll give you a call. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. Make sure that you catch our regularly scheduled episode that will be out in a couple weeks. And in the meantime, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for all of your Forcecom news. We'll see you next time.